This is Arif, Terry and Yosef and you're listening to the Beyond the Pond podcast. Hello, this is the Beyond the Pond podcast. I'm Yosef and I'm with Arif and Terry like normal. How are you guys doing? I'm alright, to be fair, I'm alright. How are you doing? You know what, that's, that's really nice of you to ask. I'm good, man. I'm yeah. good, I'm really good. How are you, Terry? I'm doing pretty well. Can't complain. Yeah, yeah, that's good. How about, you, how about yourself? Oh, once again, I'm good, I'm good. I mean, Harris already asked, man. It sounds like you're a poor listener, but, you know, we keep it, we keep it moving. I can't understand the accent. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, I've got a weird dialect. Yeah, a little bit. So something that uh, caught eye this week was a ad Arsenal did with a local fish and chip shop. And it's part of their Arsenal supporting supporters scheme. And, you know, featured Aaron Ramsdale. David Seaman was in it as well. And it caught a lot of attraction online. Uh, Arif, what did you think of the video? Yeah, so I saw the I saw a picture on Twitter of a lot a lot of people queuing outside of the shop. And then that led me to see the ad. I was like, damn, the, it, it's, it's actually making a difference. So let me make something clear. I dislike Arsenal. Like it's, it's brought me joy to see them lose in the past like 10 years. But what they do off the field, I can respect because they understand their community. This just and I guess these adverts are an example of it. Yes, yeah, I mean this has been part of a long theme. There was one with Rob Holden with a pub, I think. There's one with a Bamiang with a mechanics. There's one else with forever barbers. So I think this has been going on a while. It's been you know for for this has been quite popular for Arsenal fans. Uh, this is probably the first one that's gone beyond the Arsenal fan base. Mm. It's quite interesting with clubs because obviously England football clubs derive from quite a, a culture, like community-led thing. I wanted to ask you, Terry, because in America, you look at the Super Bowl and, you know, one of the teams has literally just relocated. Like, how do, like, American club, American sports teams, they're franchises. So yeah. how, what's the community, what's the relationship with um, communities like? I think you'll see stuff more like, um, maybe giving back, things like yeah. that, but as, I don't think I've ever seen, as a New Yorker, seen like a Knicks commercial where they're like, at a certain, like an athlete might do it, but then you also wonder, like, is he getting paid for this? Or, you know what I mean? Or you'll see them, maybe if it's a local business, it's still not, it's like a chain thing. Mm-hmm. I know there used to be some commercials for a basketball team, uh, the Spurs, and they used to do like commercials for um, a grocery store that's only in Texas. But it's a big store. Like they, you wouldn't see them. That would be like the equivalent of like doing it for a bodega or like a pizza store. Like that's just like on a corner in Manhattan or mm-hmm. in Harlem or the Bronx somewhere. I just I don't know. I think it's cool because these clubs and these teams have such big fan bases and they have such power. Yeah, that line was down the block for some fish and chips. I'm sure there's other places nearby you can go get it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But yeah, that's pretty cool to me. I've never seen anything like that in America. But I would like to. I would hope that like. An NBA team or an NFL team, MLB team sees that and they're like, oh, we could probably replicate this. Yeah, like, you know, the joke is among Arsenal fans when they're not playing well on the pitches, we're class everywhere but the pitch. Yeah. I mean, you know, this they'll, season. They'll, re- they'll release a new kit to distract you guys from what's happening on the field. Hey, look, this season, it might change, you know, it might change this season. But obviously, they did the campaign like, no more red when I was uh, targeting knife crime mm-hmm. and they just went, they wore all white kits, yeah. you know, maybe similar to what you said, we lost that game with the <laughs> all white kits, but let's keep it moving. Uh, one thing which I liked about that, which I was telling you guys beforehand was 
also like they had uh, Idris Elba an Arsenal fan yeah. who's from a state same state as Kano if you guys didn't know that uh, they had uh, Ian Wright former Arsenal player and also I just felt like the two Arsenal players in my eyes they got the ones who are I see as the most hood mm-hmm. which, which I, I've always I've always I like liked because it's so the ones they put in it were Emil Smith-Rowe and Reese Nelson and I thought Reese Nelson's included funny because my man's on loan at Feyenoord mm-hmm. so he ain't even he ain't, he ain't even in the country yeah. Yeah, but, yeah. but they dragged him back for the anti-life crime video yeah. you know because you know if they included uh, Saka you would have thought why, why is he there? Yeah. <laughs> so I think maybe the players wanted to do it but you know I like that but just just to um, respond to that I think with that ad and the two players they chose it shows that they do get because those two guys, the way they speak particularly, <clears throat> will resonate with a lot of young people from the area. There's no point of getting a player that doesn't, isn't local yeah. in yeah. regards to speaking on the subject. Because if you, let's say if you've got a, no, no offence to him, but a, um, a Patrick Bamford speaking about it, it would feel disingenuous, you know? Yeah. So, and I think in that sense that uh, it was a perfect ad and I, I'm speaking of my dislike in Arsenal because I need to make it clear because I'm going to be praising them a lot this episode. <laughs> But I, as a sports journalist, these, as a sports journalist, this is the type of stories that I like, and the fact that Arsenal are being so forward-thinking with it, I, I got respect. Yeah, I mean, how do you feel about your club, Chelsea's uh, Wait, relationship with the fan? About the the No More Red campaign. Yeah. Last week we talked about like commercialism. Yeah. I like that you can't buy that kit. Yeah, that's a good. You know what I mean? Because oh, it, yeah. it's not like they did it. To sell more tops, you can't buy it. Yeah. So this makes it way more genuine to me. If they would have did that and then released them and they would have sold out, it would have been like, oh, you guys just did this to, yeah, to sell it. But the fact that you so couldn't much buy them, money. it would have made so much like, money. Yeah. I yeah. think that kit would have transcended rivalry. Okay, maybe not, but like that was a very good, nice yeah. kit. I could have. Besides the logo, I could have seen myself wearing it. Yeah, yeah I guess if it's all white, yeah, nobody would care. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Okay. That's true. But yeah, what I was going to ask is. Uh, as as Chelsea fans, yeah. how uh, how do you feel about what your uh, club is doing? I'm going to ask you that first. Like. Yeah, so with, I guess, Chelsea, the area it's in the club, it is quite a privileged area, southwest London. Um, I'm from West London myself, but not that part. But So it is difficult for them to tap into the same cultural influences that Arsenal do. But that being said, with, I guess, the last four or five years, with the emergence of the Cobham boys, Stuff. They've leaned in, into that, so they are more forward-thinking. And I think recently, just just the kits, they're, they're almost following Arsenal in suit. They're trying to make it more. Uh, they're trying to make a more fa- a fashionable club. Yeah. And even with uh, um, recently, a UK rapper Central C got to film at Stamford Bridge. I'm pretty sure he probably had to like pay to use it. But the fact that they allowed it yeah. shows, yeah, they're trying to embrace the culture and stuff of that nature. Yeah, I get what you mean. I think, to be honest, Chelsea and Arsenal, when you saw, have you guys seen like the kit launches and the videos they yeah. do? And they're like, they try and really root in the club's history. So I think the Chelsea one, where they had like the like the, the 60s vibe with it. Yeah. And the thing I like about both Chelsea and Arsenal is they incorporated in the in the adverts the players from the women's team. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. To be honest, it probably benefits them because they've got some they've got they've got really good women's teams and I think in in particular Vivian Miedemar and Sam Kerr, you've got two players that are sort of icons. Mm-hmm. They've got like they, they look cool. Mm-hmm. You know, players wanna they I see them as like having the same energy that 
Thierry Henry had when he was like the footballer that was cool. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. And uh, but do do Terry like obviously a lot of the stuff is like local. Yeah, it ain't local to you. Like what, yeah. what do you what do you think? Um, like? I always say I think Arsenal does like a lot of stuff right like, mm-hmm. off the pitch. You know I think they just like are cool. You know what I mean? They yeah. like connect well. Mm-hmm. The different kids, the no more red, all those the supporting supporters. Like I think they yeah. just kind of getting all that. But I do see some. I would say like as a more recent, way more recent than you, Chelsea fan. Um, they do do stuff right, in my opinion. Um, I don't want to butcher his name, but the guy from the hip hop scene, the SBTV, who passed away, they, oh, they, gave, him a, they gave him a moment yeah. of silence yeah. at the game. Yeah. So yeah. I think that was pretty cool. Um, I don't know if every club would have did that to just like a, I mean, not to say he's just a supporter, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think that was like good. They do a lot of content, I think, where they, you'll see different races, mm-hmm. different backgrounds, different sexes, different ages. Mm-hmm. So I think they're doing a, a pretty good job at like trying to, from, what people say about their reputation trying to like you know change it and move into a more yeah. positive light and connect more with like younger people I like that when you mentioned fit into a more positive light because I've because obviously Chelsea has a history yeah with, with certain things I mean both in a way that you know history of them saying offensive things to maybe other fans but also I have to say a history of other fans saying offensive things to them yeah. you know they've Chelsea I mean Forget even Chelsea. Gilmore, when he's on loan to, yeah. to at Norwich, he's been getting homophobic chants linked to Chelsea. Yeah. A lot of Chelsea gets that. So it's, I find it interesting where you look at clubs and how I've noticed a thing where when the, the fans of the club have certain uh, views and opinions that aren't, you know, uh, right or I've got to say right or aren't offensive yeah. you know they're not good views to have I, I noticed that the club in particular they try really hard to shift that mm-hmm. so in, in example I always remember when uh, the White Lives Matters plane flew over Burnley, Burnley yeah. yeah and how the Burnley captain Ben Mee you can tell was so disappointed by that he didn't care about the result at all yeah. that match he just went straight into it I mean I've, I've recently been to uh Millwall Romans, the LGBT uh, football team that's partnered with uh, Millwall, you know, and we all know, I mean, not you, but there's a stereotype where... Yeah, just yeah. before you went, I was like, watch your back. Exactly. As, and yeah, like, it's a joke, but yeah. it's like, it's, there's a bit of truth behind it. You were told, especially because like in South East London, South London, where I grew up, you just like people, even now, like, when I, that's 2000s, still be a little bit cautious going like being near that stadium on a match day and it's, I find it it's it's interesting because when you say interacting with fans you know fans have their own identities I find it very fascinating when you look at Millwall and how they have a history with uh, like racism you know when you have like National Front people at the ground you have almost like the two clubs nearest to them you know two of the clubs nearest to them in terms of like West Ham and Palace almost try and be have a, be more uh, like anti-racist or yeah. have like so West Ham had like a black player in the 60s and you had Palace now you know when they played people joked that it was EDL versus BLM <laughs> because of the amount of black players and the yeah. black manager they had in the team and Palace have always had like black players like Ian Wright and Mark yeah. Wright so it's like it's almost as if the clubs in terms of rivalries use it to I don't know I find that really cool it's like we're going to like people like a group of fans will say we're not going to be racist yeah. because we don't like you guys and you guys are racist yeah. Yeah. you know it's, it's, it's really cool to see I mean like I don't know like this does it do you think it shows just like the power that fans have no for sure and it's all 
like what I also find really great is when a fans of a club that's got a racist reputation, um, they do the complete opposite. Like I always get, well, not so much now, but when I was younger, when you when you tell people a Chelsea fan, they'd raise their eyebrow and be like, "You, are you sure?" <laughs> yeah. So it's and and it's just like it's almost like you want to go against the grain. Like I am going to be a Chelsea fan just to show like yeah. it's not a racist club, and then. When I saw like the likes of so growing up, my team was like that drug bearer team, mm-hmm. drug bar, Essie and Mikel. When I saw the African contingent, I'm like, can't be a racist club when they've got like great African players, and even now they've got a lot of African and Muslim players as well, and I resonate with them. So it's it. I do like even clubs with quote unquote like racist fan base. There's we shouldn't always uh, paint them with one brush because there's uh, probably another section of Millwall fans that are. Well, you, you've shown it with the LGBTQ um, event you went to. It, it, the, the, the club, what some, a certain group of fans shouldn't reflect what the face of a club. Yeah, yeah 100%. And, you know, it's interesting. I, just, I think in general it shows the power that footballers have. And speaking of the power footballers have, I want to move on to another thing that we liked this week with, with Troy Deeney's petition to have more uh, black, uh, Asian and minority ethnic uh, history on the school curriculum. Mm-hmm. I mean, Troy Deeney isn't the most popular guy to Arsenal fans. I think when he, ever since the comment that he made about Arsenal, let's say he said Arsenal was a bit too soft. Yeah, lack cojones. Yes, yes, you, you, you said it, not me. And uh, <laughs> a lot of Arsenal fans were happy when his Watford side got relegated. But I think when he's, especially since lockdown, when he talks off the pitch, he's he's so intelligent, he's so insightful, you know, he's got an interesting past and he's when he speaks about his background and, you know, this, this, it was, I think he, you know, I like that. He, he did his research and, you know, it was both from the heart and, you know, he talked about his own experiences. He also... Uh, he, t- he did his own research of you, government. That's serious stuff. And mm-hmm. the things he talked about was only 12% of teachers felt empowered to teach optional black-related topics. So, you know, 88 of them don't feel mm-hmm. empowered to do that. Uh, 72% of teachers thought the government should do more to support them in teaching cultural diversity. And uh, 64% of teachers uh, said that they're not provided with enough ongoing training about this. So these are some of the stats and it's, it's insane. I mean, he did a survey, I mean, not a survey, a petition, you know, and uh, 15, uh, at the moment, you know, 15,000 people have signed it. The, the uh, link to the petition will be in the description below. For yeah. we, yeah. You know, we've all signed it. We want you guys to uh, do it too. We think it's a great cause. And, he's, you know, he's, he's sent this open letter out to the Secretary of State for Education that, you know, and he's, and he's responded back to uh, Troy Deeney and, you know, it was a really, I think it was just like a cool thing. I know you feel strongly about having more, uh, like, more diverse histories taught at school, Aaron. Yeah, 100%. It's like, first of all, with stuff like this, you always got to consider, is there a drawback to it? With this, I don't think there's any drawback at all. Yeah. Like... Kids learning about different um, ethnic groups' history, there's no drawback to it. As well. And I think as we get older, you and me particularly, coming up through the British system, and um, when you learn about certain quote-unquote British heroes, and then you do a bit more research and you, you get, figure out, uh, 
they're not as clean cut as like yeah. we were made to believe. Like growing up, I I was led to believe that Winston Churchill, war hero, all of that, whatnot. And then as I get older, I find quotes about him speaking about people of my color, saying how we're like rabid animals and we stuff like that. And I I recently found out his his role in the Bengal famine, which resulted in the death of three over three million people of uh, South Asian descent back in the 40s and stuff like how how am I being taught as a brown man that Winston Churchill I should see him as a hero when yeah. he when if he saw someone like me he'd spit in my face that's 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 the reality of it and it's uh, uh, so I think Troy Dini on Twitter did get quite a bit of backlash for it and there's almost that whenever change does come about in regards to history and bringing up ethnic minorities that I, I could understand you feel like oh, um, our history is going to get taken in place of that. What's the issue of learning with both? What's, what's, I, I can't see the drawback. It will make you a more intelligent person and you can have conversations with people outside of your circle. You can maybe understand why so-and-so is... Um, uh, act, why certain people like do certain cultural practices. Or I, I, I genuinely believe like it will just make the next generation of people more intelligent human beings. And ultimately, that's what the education system is for. One thing I do want to ask Terry about um, how is the history education system in the U.S.? Um, we learn about black history. We usually learn about it during black history. So today is actually, well, it's the last day of February. It's going to come out later. But February is Black History Month in America. The shortest month of the year, I may I add. I don't know if it's a coincidence, but you know. But yeah, you know, we learn about it for a month. And it's kind of yeah. weird. You get older. When you're younger, it's like, oh, it's Black History Month. Oh, we're going to do this. And yeah. you think about it. It's like, I don't know. You're going to tell me about this for a month. You're going to tell me the same stories yeah. every year. You're going to tell me about the same two or three people every year. Yeah. And you're going to paint them a certain way. But it's like, then the rest of the year, we just learned about all this other stuff. You know what I mean? That's yeah. not, why can't it be one sprinkled in? Why don't we learn more than just like, so we just basically learn like Rosa Parks, Martin Luther King. And then they, once in a while, you hear some other stuff in there. You know what I mean? But those are the main two things. It's just all the time. Like, we learn this, we learn this. And then, yeah, it's just, why don't we learn more about and, and slavery. That's what we learn yeah. all the time. It's, it's so. pretty negative. Like, I think it was similar here. We learn about uh, MLK, Martin yeah, yeah, yeah. Charles Park. Yeah. It's, it is strange. And even, even with British history we learn, it's like only select parts of British history, which makes no sense. If you're going to do it, do it in its entirety and just show... It's, it's not going to like influence kids negatively. Just show them this was the history. It's wrong. Yeah. Or if, it's, if there is positive to take, take from that. It's just... I, I, it's also like kind of when you learn about stuff it's it's weird it's like you learn about stuff and you think it's so much longer like further back than it was and it's like yeah. no this is actually yeah pretty recent yeah yeah like so, for, yeah i got like for example it's like american history ruby bridges the first uh like black girl to go to like an mm -hmm. interracial school mm -hmm. she's 67 man but the pictures everything you'd see it's you'd, you'd think white. it was so long ago like no you she's even, alive and well yeah even with nelson mandela and like the apartheid was, it's yeah. not, it's, well, not our lifetimes, but it was in a lot of people's lifetimes. And I, you make, in the school, you're taught as if it's like a year, almost 100 years ago. So what do you guys think the solution is to like changing the British education? Well, I think Troy Deeney gave us a solution. Think, yeah, make it, yeah, I think you have to diversify because this is one of my, I, I, I feel like the way history is spoken about, it's always when it was whether about the statues, about everything, and it's I think it's so. I mean, as someone who did a history degree, it's so. Where uh, did you do your history degree? 
Ah, see, this man always wants to build me up. So, as <laughs> no, someone who did a uh, history degree at Cambridge, uh, Cambridge. Know, it doesn't matter. Is, doesn't that matter where, the, is, doesn't... That, is that one of the top five universities in the world? <laughs> hey, uh, we are, we're not going to discuss also <laughs> if it's. No, as someone went there, if it's top five, it ain't five, I'm telling you that. So, but, uh, <laughs> but anyway, let's. No, let's, let's, let's but, but one thing which I hate is where people view learning history as. There's always an ulterior motive. So people come back and just say, oh, you're trying to preach some white propaganda. Yeah. I can tell you the only reason that history exists, just to learn about the past. Yeah. There's nothing more to it than that. You make the same mistakes. Yeah, that's and that's, it. that's all history is. You know, People say, oh, dude, this is our political messages. And also everything is history. Actions are history. Yeah. Things are history. You know, People think, oh, don't change. People say you're changing the past. You're changing legacies. Of course you are. Everyone does it. Active, yeah. you know. And I hate it. That's why. So learning m- more about the past, more about different types of uh, histories from different peoples and cultures is only a good thing because it increases people's understanding of the past. And I feel like at times in Britain, especially when you touch upon race, mm-hmm. they're a bit uh, sinister. Also defensive, but sinister with how they approach race. Like we talked about how we learn, we learn about American history in schools. Yeah. And we almost like when you learn about Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks, you, you almost we almost taught it here as if to say, yeah, but that stuff happened in America, mm-hmm. you oh, know. Okay. You know, at the same time as Rosa Parks, you know, uh, Kenyans were being put in concentration camps in the Mau Mau uprisings. Yeah. You know, ten years after Rosa Parks, there was a bus boycott here in Bristol, yeah. and you know we don't people don't get taught those things, you know. But you get, you get, you almost like it's separated. Most people, I'll of our age, can tell you really nothing about uh, 20th century history. Mm. Barely anything about, like, you really just learn things from hundreds of years ago. You, you touch on slavery, but clearly from an American perspective, everything is always, when the bad stuff, I think, is often distanced. And I think it, 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 makes it more difficult to learn about today. And I'm going to bring this back into sport because you can almost apply it to just... You can also see with histories of sport, they are whitewashed. I mean, mm. if you look at an American perspective where black players weren't allowed to play, yeah. like, you know... In, like the 60s, most of the time. I could be wrong, but most sports are like the 60s. I, I want to say about the 70s is pretty integrated, but yeah, 50s, 60s. You know what I mean? And yeah. It's just... I don't know, like you said, it's just whitewashed, you know? And then it's like, it's weird because it's like, you should celebrate it, obviously. Mm-hmm. But like, you don't ever get the backlash of like, you know how stupid it was that like, people weren't allowed to play this game? Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? So it's, it's kind of interesting. It's, it's every flight, it always gets like, like Arif, as a football fan, do you know who Laurie Cunningham is? No, I do not. First British player to play for Real Madrid. Wow. He's black. Wow. You don't, you don't know about that. Mm-hmm. You know, Love pretty much right. the biggest club in world football, that the first British player to play for that club was was black. I think they they're now beginning to like bring these histories yeah. up because almost it felt, you know, like you people would always have like their football and idol. It's almost because that's it. Players are marginalised because maybe their careers after football aren't known. But like black players in sport, and yeah. I think the reason why these histories in sport and beyond are so important because they help you understand today. You cannot, uh, like, understand why issues like black coaches 
that persist today in all sports, both in America and in the UK, mm. without understanding that players were blackballed and managers were blackballed in the past, you know? And it's the same with women's football. You can't uh, denounce equal pay and say, ah, oh, the quality of the women's game aren't in the same level as the men's game in England without recognising the fact that women were banned for playing football for 50 years. Before that, in, the, in World War I, women's football was hugely popular. Yeah. And I'm then pretty sure they sold out Goodison Park. Yeah. So that's, what is that, 50k? 50,000 yeah, 50, at least? 50,000 people, probably bigger then because people could stand yeah. as well. And they were really popular. And the FA 1921 said women couldn't play football anymore. So they couldn't use any official pitches, yeah. which effectively killed the game. It's only until 1971 that it brought back. And I feel like when you say, oh, it isn't on the level of men's, well then, you know, stop playing. It's no coincidence that the sport where the quality is closest, the tennis, is a sport which has had arguably the least yeah. uh, difference in men and women. And, you know, this is why I think history is important in uh, sure. both things. And I don't think we should just limit to the negative history because I don't know about you guys, but growing up, um, the only positive black and Asian um, historical figures you learn about are ones fighting for rights and all that stuff. I'd like more... I think this is what Troy Dean is trying to incorporate as well, more figures that did positive stuff as opposed to just fighting for their freedom. Yeah. Like there are black and Asian, I don't know, um, mathematicians, black and yeah. Asian Well, that's what I was going to ask about um, the education thing. Like, do you think there just also needs to be more like minority, like teachers and people with power in the country? Like, should that be, should there be, I don't want to say like a mission, but like an effort to be like, does it help would it be better to get for the curriculum if kind of like how you always say if you can see it yeah like so certain kids see themselves more i know me personally um most of my life i had all like women teacher mm -hmm. so i didn't know until like i got way older like there's a lot of male teachers yeah so it kind of like when i got older and saw that it's kind of like more and more like yeah. oh okay like maybe that would have been someone i could have connected to a little bit more yeah. than you know it's just different representation yeah. basically. i think uh, with teaching, it's going to be a case-by-case -case, um, scenario because in London, at least, where I grew up in the secondary school and primary school I went to, it was f the teachers were fairly diverse, but maybe somewhere in the Midlands where it's a predominantly white class and a white teacher and they'd have to speak, they'd have to teach um, ethnic minority history could be a bit, uh, they could downplay it. So yeah. for, in that perspective, yeah, but then I, I think... That's kind of our, our that's out of our area of expertise because yeah. I I'm not the um, I'm not in charge of education in this country yeah. so it's it's a it's a tricky one I guess it's, it is dependent on where in the country you are yeah yeah it is I mean it's I think also this idea of having diversity it's hint because I was saying here a lot of teachers don't feel comfortable. I get what you mean, higher up, but yeah. and then also I feel like there's going to be a lot of people from diverse backgrounds that may not support this. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, not you know. I think there's there's a difference between what is it representation yeah. and yeah. Uh, I think we bang on about this. There's a difference between representation and uh, diversity. Yeah. So just because you've you've got the tick box filled of someone of color doesn't mean that's a, someone that's going to do representation, if that makes sense. Yeah. 
And yeah, there are and you're saying there are positive stories in Black history. I think when people say, "Oh, they're not known. We can't do this," we'll find it because they're there. They exist. You know, there's there's musicians, there's actors, like you said, there's scientists, there's mathematicians. You know, you've got whole continents out there yeah. for people to learn about with people that look like them. So, you know, get to work. And if anything, always I think on the flip side, how would it benefit the country if you have more? kids of ethnic minority backgrounds supposedly they're disproportionately in prison maybe now they're learning about um, people that look like them in positive um, roles in in the past they'd be like yeah look they've done it so i can do it now the troy deeney petition i thought was uh, quite interesting and it relates to our final section called what do you mean by that what do you mean by that this is a segment of the show where we look at something said in the media or something to do with sport that has certain undertones that are a bit, you know, a bit dodge, a bit sus, a bit, you know, something that makes, something that makes you go... question, hence, what, what do you, you mean? mean by that? What do you mean by that? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And so, you know, unless you've been living under a rock, you're very aware that there is a war going on in Ukraine. And, you know, a lot of... Uh, things been going on around that but one thing that caught our eye is when foreign secretary liz trust said to the to lbc that uh, before the before fifa before uefa moved the champions league final away from st petersburg wales due to be hosted this year uh, she said that if an english team were to make it to the final that they should boycott the match and she said if i was on the english team i would boycott it hmm. now I don't, yeah, I don't know about you guys, but we we remember a few months ago. But sports aren't supposed to mix with politics. Exactly. Yeah, and it's very interesting that now they they want they want footballers to be political. They want yep. they want their Raheem Sterling's and Marcus Rashford's yep. to now touch on international diplomacy. Yep. I know this is a light-hearted segment we usually do, but I think. I'm just trying to think about what to say and while being still considered and well-spoken. But what this last week has made me realise in particular is that there's a hierarchy of how much what matters in this country regarding the colour of your skin. And it, there's certain other comments, it's not as sports-related, but in regards to the war, first of all, we all condemn war. Like I think it goes without yeah. saying, we don't need to do that that PR nonsense about, oh, yes, of, of course, like, we're all against it. But the fact that people are saying, how's it happening to Europeans? How's, not, how, how's it happening to blonde-haired, blue-eyed kids and children? Why should that make a difference to how we see it? If it was black kids in Africa, if it was Arabs, if it was Asians, why does it make a difference on how much we care about these individuals? And just like uh, the comments that you read, all of a sudden now it's, it's their obligation to speak about it. But when they want to speak about Black Lives Matter, when they want to speak about conflicts in Palestine, then it's considered a political topic. But now it's a human interest. Stuff like that just gets me so annoyed. And I understand as a journalist now I have to be objective. But how can you expect... How can you expect people to not be outraged when other stuff go along, when other stuff happen, when you treat... There's, there's clearly a difference in the way it's been... Um, the, the coverage of it and it just it gets re me really annoyed no man 100% bro because I think it's not you don't need to defend yourself because 
they're only so about you being objective when they're not being objective because they're not treating everything equally. You know, they're allowing political gestures to be done against Ukraine, which we we agree that they should. Yeah, firstly. there's nothing wrong yeah. with the idea that athletes should do this yeah. or this should be boycotted. Yeah. It's yeah. just now it's oh this has to be done, but when the other side and people that didn't look like that wanted things to be like that, it was, you know, shut up and dribble, or yeah. I don't want these politics in my football, in my mm-hmm. basketball, in my sports. Yeah. But now, I don't get me wrong, I get it. Yeah. But it doesn't, like... Yeah, there's a, very, there's a very clear idea of, it's almost as if they're pandering to maybe what public pressure, what's seen as okay. I mean, just in recent years, you know, there's been backlash against people protesting against what's happening in Palestine, what's happening to what? Uyghur Muslims, what's happening, you know, when they, they find Pep when you had something for Catalon, yeah. Catalonia I independence. Think, I think what we're saying, too, isn't like that what they're doing now is wrong. Absolutely yeah. not. It's, this is what we've been trying to tell you the yeah. whole time. It's, this should have always this been this happening. This is exactly yeah. what should happen. So this has always been the platform for that. And when we were trying to make it the platform for that or when athletes that look like us or mm. look any different we're trying to make it that it was oh i don't want this in my sports oh i yeah. separate sports from politics yeah. and it was just always like no this should not be separated yeah. and now you're seeing now they don't want now certain people don't want to separate it yeah. it's cruel i think frankly it's it's when when you stop the athletes from making political gestures it just opens up uh interior like exterior forces to make political pressures i find it insane that you know they can say they don't want players to be political and then turn a blind eye due to the money yeah. when countries will use sports tournaments for sports washing mm-hmm. where you can say pretty much the last two world cups for examples i mean when i mean the last two i mean sorry i mean the upcoming world cup and the last world cup for examples of sports washing you have qatar with all their issues with migrants and you had russia who were killing thousands in syria with bombs during a world cup with nothing being said and it does, as all of us, none of us are white, it does feel very uncomfortable how people are phrasing it that in way. the news. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. you know. Does a, would a Ukrainian border guard see you as half white? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't yeah. Think so. stuff like that is... I don't... Obviously, we are an upbeat podcast, naturally, but this really does upset me, but... Just to bring almost full circle, I think this is also another reason why it's so important what Troy Deeney's doing. Yeah. Just learning about history of all cultures will make us... Ultimately, it's just... I can't believe we're saying this in 2022, but it's so all kids and, I guess, adults see each other as equal. There's no hierarchy to how much your life is worth. And we've discussed this off the podcast, but we really do uh, hope you give the petition a look, especially if you're from the UK. I think it's, it's, it's a necessity. So that's the point. There's clearly a lot of people that don't see people as equal. Whether it's people who are not allowing uh, immigrants to leave Ukraine, who are African, or whether it's people who see uh, Ukrainian refugees as different from refugees from other war-torn countries. Yeah. And there's an issue when you differentiate on people due to certain things. And then people always say... Oh, it's not, uh, you know, uh, you shouldn't bring it up at a time like this. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the players, certain players, they try to bring it up at other times mm-hmm. and you find them and you said, keep football out of politics, which, you know, 
like said, you know, football, sport, you know, all facets of life are political. Mm-hmm. And sport is a vehicle for change. We spoke about, at the very first segment, you talked about bringing it circle. I'm going to do one further. We, talk about, we spoke about clubs interacting with fans. And I mentioned how cl- clubs, especially football clubs, like descend from communities and they're very localised and communities have their own political traits. And I want to ask the question of, should clubs be political? Do you, do you think? So the thing is with me, um, what exactly do we mean by political? Because that's another thing that has frustrated that's me true. over the years. I feel like the only issues with a club being political is I don't feel like certain views, I think, are like beyond politics, like humanitarian stuff. But like if you're, I don't think a, a club should say, if you're a Democrat, you should write us, but like we're Democrats, so then we don't want Republican views. Yeah. I think that's going a little too far in my opinion. Agreed. Yeah. But I do think certain stances aren't, that get described as like political. Yeah. Black Lives Matter is not a political movement. You know what I mean? So I can understand the club supporting it. But if it's like political as in like parties and stuff, then I would understand not going that far. Yeah, I, I, I agree with Terry. Um, well, our version is obviously conservatives and Labour clubs should not get involved in that. But in human interest stuff, that, which is not political, I, I think clubs have a moral obligation um, to, to speak about situation. Like we said, um, the reason I guess we all love sports is not only for what, um, the athletic ability of the players or whatever sport it may be, but just how it is a vehicle for good, how it transcends, for the most part, um, people's differences. And I think if there is any establishment that should, it should be football that can get through to people that um, other se- sectors in life couldn't. Yeah, 100%. And I think, you know, first when you said what is defined as political, I get what you mean. The issue is, Things that people can relate to is seen as not political, seen as humanitarian. Yeah. So people like the Ukrainian crisis because they relate. It's almost as if they don't humanise people that look like them. No. So then they see it as a game of politics when it's someone's life. No. Whereas with this, because they humanise them, they see what's going on in Ukraine as, uh, you know, as, as not political. Yeah. Same way how they see poppies as unpolitical because they're like, this is uh, British soldiers that have died. Mm-hmm. They won't, you know, let's say, I can imagine, let's say theoretically in a friendly, if England played Argentina and Argentina, if it was on the anniversary of the Falklands War and Argentina wanted to wear something, I don't know how much you know about the Falklands War. No. I mean, shows you much about history, but Britain and Argentina <laughs> went to war in the 1980s. Okay. And Argentina, Argentinian people are very, very hurt, like loads of people died in it. Mm. And if they wanted to wear anything symbolising the death of those I don't think they would allow it. And it's interesting when you said also, so I'd carry on, but to say about transcending uh, sport, transcending, uh, you know, issues in, in, in life. I think this sport does do that, but it does it actively. It's not just uh, we, if something happens. Sport has fought to transcend things. People have to fight to do it. And people in sport has that power because people have a certain love for sport that they don't have for other things. So yeah, I agree. And everything that's happened over the last week in the world of sports, in regards to um, people showing solidarity with the people of Ukraine, showing flags, uh, Ukrainian players being celebrated, that shouldn't change in the future. That should set a precedent. This is how we deal with humanitarian issues. 
this is what sport is for. This is the vehicle it is. And yeah, I, I, like we said, none of us are knocking um, how the, the role sports has taken in this. We think this is the template. This, this should be consistent across the board. So in the future, I hope um, we can see every war crisis treated like this. But let's be real. Do you think that's going to happen? No. Do you no, think that's going to happen? No, absolutely. But it's, it's a strange be, one. Yeah, it's, it's sports and sports is always going to be into time of politics. And particularly we are from the West, so there's always going to be agendas. And without getting into detail with it, because we aren't a political podcast, um, it's tough. But I, I hope it just does allow, um, whenever there is... A player that wants to speak about a particular issue, he shouldn't be fined or silenced for it. Uh, given if it is obviously a sensible, well-researched opinion. Yeah, I think the issue that the, the thing that we, the fact that we're so skeptical that this is going to continue, I think shows the issue. So you know, Liz Liz Trust and everyone she represents, so the people who don't see this as a political issue but see the various protests, you know, whenever someone like Pogba holds a Palestine flag, whenever uh, Ozil speaks about our Uyghur Muslims, mm-hmm. whenever uh, Pep Guardiola wears a free Catalonia badge, mm-hmm. or whether uh, Germany wants to have in their stadium, the Allianz Arena, have the uh, LGBT colours, you know, and, and see those as political when a lot of them... Maybe the Catalan's probably a political issue, but the rest are all humanitarian issues. Yeah. There's human rights are being infringed. You don't see you see that as political, but not this. You have to question why you see that as political. So we have to ask you, what do you mean by that? Yeah, so that's all we had to speak about today. Yeah, it was a bit of a sombre episode, but I think considering everything that's happened, there's no way we could really be yeah. light-hearted. There's a lot of things going on. And, uh, you know, hope you guys are good. Hope you guys have a good week. Hope you guys out there have a good week. And we'll see you next time.